0: All right. Well, I picked coffee as my drink this morning, and in this room, coffee is a bad choice because it is very hot. That's the one benefit of notes is not only can you take notes from the sermon, you can fan yourself uh, with, but the air conditioners are blowing. We don't know why it's still hot. Uh, Does anyone else feel hot? I feel very hot. I do have a cardigan on, uh, but as I did get three or four. Te- You're Hungarian, Jolt. You don't know what you don't know. Heat. Uh, it's just probably normal, but no. Uh, so, so just bear. I know Sister Kate's not hot. Sister Kate's like, this is perfect. This is exactly what it needs to be every week. Uh, anyway, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter six, uh, as we continue to look at the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Continuing this series on what is prayer and walking through the Lord's Prayer. Because again, Jesus gives us a seven second prayer that can model all prayer. Uh, and so, surprise, surprise, it is deeply rich, thick, and filled with biblical, uh, not just insight, but uh, uh, foresight, post uh, just full, just a rich, deep biblical theology in this, in this prayer. So let's stand in the honor of reading God's Word. We'll read the prayer, uh, and then we'll start uh, looking this week uh, more at forgiveness. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. Father, we come to you this morning, and God, we would ask just a great blessing on us, Father. We've come here to worship you. We've come here to make this day, your day, all about you. And one of the things we ask of you, Father, uh, is we ask that you would teach us through the word that you have given us. We ask that you would teach us in many ways, uh, in spite of ourselves, in spite of the way we've often treated your word this week. We, we come now, Father, and we ask grace and mercy that you, uh, our Father, would teach us uh, from his word. So, Father, please do that. Allow us the the joy of of learning more about you, the joy of living for you, uh, and, Father, just the, the worship that takes place as we get to obey you. Please, Father. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Alright, so we've been looking at this fifth request of the Lord's prayers. we're in the second sort of table of the Lord's Prayer, the, the ones that focus on us. You know, do this to us. The first ones, again, are all, uh, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. But now we get the second table that is focusing on things that are usward, things where we're praying for ourselves. And after looking at uh, our daily bread, give us, now we're looking at forgive us our debts. And so we're looking at What is forgiveness? Because we talked about if, if we asked, is forgiveness an important part of theology, important part of what the Bible says? Everyone would say yes. But if we asked, what is forgiveness? We'd probably get a bunch of different answers about what forgiveness is, what it requires, what's expected in forgiveness. And yet here, Jesus in the Lord's Prayer tells us we've got to ask God for forgiveness. So we need to know what we're asking Him for. And then, as we're going to see next week, which is probably why we'll all be gone, we've actually got to start forgiving people. Uh, we've actually got to start doing the forgiveness. Uh, and so this, so in order for us to know what we're asking God, and certainly in order for us to do it, we've got to know what forgiveness is. So we've been, been looking at what forgiveness is. It is that, that that taking away, the word forgiveness. It's interesting, both in the Old Testament Hebrew, New Testament Greek, and Engli- even in the English, the Old English, from where we get the word forgive, they all mean to take something away. Take away our debt, to take away what is owed. So we saw what it is, and then we saw, the last couple of weeks, we saw that forgiveness isn't just God taking away our debt. We see that there are added benefits to forgiveness as well. Blessings stacked on top of Him taking away our debt. So we saw a couple weeks ago what God does to our sin, that when God takes away our debt, our debt is then also paid. In forgiveness, our debt isn't just taken away. Our debt is paid, and our sin is destroyed. It is killed. And we'll get back to that great passage in Micah about what God does to our sin. We'll look at that more today. But not only does God take away our uh, our debt, our debt is paid, our, our sin is destroyed, it is killed. And then we saw last week that forgiveness also does great things to us. Not only does it do things to our sin, it does great things to us. So we saw that for us, we saw forgiveness is tied to salvation, that in forgiveness we're saved, we're we're made alive, we, we gain a knowledge of the Lord, we get fear, the fear of the Lord comes through the forgiveness of sins, and then we saw that it holifies us. that, That God actually uses forgiveness to drive us to greater holiness. Now, we're going to look at forgiveness from God's point of view. Meaning this. Beyond what forgiveness is, what is God's attitude toward and in forgiveness? So as God is forgiving us, how does he feel about that and how does he do it? So we know what it is, we know what he's doing, but what is his heart in the matter and how is he giving us forgiveness? There there are a few reasons that I wanted to talk about this. Uh, One, it's, it's in the Bible, so if God says it, it's probably pretty important. He obviously wants us to mention it. So in talking about forgiveness, He talks about how He feels about forgiving us. Uh, So it's important in that way God talks about it. It's also important for us to understand what God is doing when He forgives us. To see that God is not just this sort of... uh, um, uh, you know, ambivalent dictator in the sky who's just handing out forgiveness because he has to, right? He has sort of set up this process and so if anyone asks, he's like, you know, he's got to give the token. I give the token to whoever asks for the token. You know, here's the forgiveness. Oh, I was really hoping Megan wouldn't ask for forgiveness, but she did. Uh, So I got to give it. You know, I've read 1 John. uh, So I know I've got to be faithful and just and forgive them their sins. Like that's not, we need to understand how God is feeling as he forgives. As you're asking God to forgive you, how does he feel about forgiving you? How does he give you that forgiveness? And it's also going to be important for what we're going to see in the coming weeks because, The attitude that God has in forgiveness, these are going to be the same attitudes that are going to guide us in our forgiving others. So this is, this is we know what forgiveness is, this is how God feels as he forgives, and so as we're forgiving, we're going to see, and this is not surprising, we don't just go through the mechanics of forgiving, we have to have the right heart in forgiving as well. Right? So we need to understand how God is feeling and, and what His thoughts are as He's forgiving so that we can, we can do the same. So how does, how does God forgive? We know that forgiveness, again, is the taking away, the bearing away of what we know. But the Bible also tells us a lot about God's attitude, His motivation in forgiveness. And the first thing, and so what we're going to see, not just that God forgives, but how How God forgives. The first thing we're going to see is God forgives abundantly. Okay, When God forgives, He forgives abundantly. Turn to Isaiah 55, 7. The passage that I sent you last night is sort of like a family devotional prep for today. Uh, Isaiah 55, 7. Look at what it says. It says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. That he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So here we see that word pardon, which remember again in the Old Testament, that's going to be the same Hebrew word as the word forgive. They could have, they could have just the, the ESV could have just as easily translated this: that he will abundantly forgive. Same idea, same word. Uh, so God, when He when He pardons, when He takes away our debt, when He takes away our sin, when He forgives, He does it abundantly. So return to the Lord, He's gonna He's gonna forgive you abundantly. Now, what's interesting is that word there, abundantly, is actually the word for multiply. So uh, you saw it, for example, Adam and Eve, when God said, you know, be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth. It's, it's the same word, the same, the same idea. God, be fruitful uh, and be abundant. Like multiply yourselves. So when God, when God is forgiving us, God doesn't just forgive you. Sort of like you know, setting the bar. And this is where I've, this, man, I'm just going to give him just what he's got to have. I'm, I'm giving him the very least amount of forgiveness possible. When God forgives us, He abundantly forgives us. He multiplies forgiveness to us. And and look, look at it in Isaiah 55. It's even more than that, because in Isaiah 55, who is God promising multiplied forgiveness to? He's he's talking to the wicked here. He says, he's talking to the wicked, to the unrighteous man. God says, look, you person who've been wicked, who have rejected me your entire life, you unrighteous man who haven't sought me or my will, I will abundantly pardon you. I will abundantly forgive you. I'll multiply forgiveness to you. So, think about it. If God, so if, we, if we take this back to what we're doing in the Lord's Prayer, if we're thinking about our own forgiveness... If God abundantly will forgive the wicked, what would make us think that he will not abundantly forgive his children? If God, will, if God can say to the wicked man and to the unrighteous man, return to me, come to me, and I will abundantly forgive, what makes you think that you, uh, his child, that you go to your father and he's gonna say, like, no. I'm not forgiving you. Or I'm going to forgive you the, the very least possible. Or I don't really want to do this. I don't really want to forgive you. No, God abundantly forgives us. So there's no, there's no excuse for us then to not run to God for, to, for forgiveness when we sin. When we sin to realize God is going to forgive me. So why, why am I not going to the Lord with this? Why am I not running to God? Do, do I feel like Do I feel like he doesn't want to forgive me? Do I feel like I'm going to come to him and he's going to be like that disappointed dad sort of feeling? Like, ugh, you, again. You know, we talked about this last time, and I think you even made a promise last time that this will be the last time, God. I promise, and so I'm sorry, you're just going to have to learn your lesson. You're not getting, I mean, is that how we feel? God says here that if we return to him, Even if we've been wicked, even if we've been unrighteous, He will abundantly, He will multiply forgiveness to you. So do not let, do not let what you feel has been grievous sin that you have done. And so surely God does not want to forgive you. Do not let those thoughts stick in your head and cause you to not run to God for forgiveness. Because God says that He will abundantly forgive you, He will multiply forgive you think you think i need I need this father, I, I need to be forgiven this is my debt He says, I will multiply the forgiveness that you need will multiply forgiveness you we're not God is not uh, as we 're going to see we're not sort of wrenching this from the hand of God. He abundantly forgives God is no God isn't like a he's no miserly redeemer right God's not up there like Okay, uh, you need need this much. I'm going to give you right at that that amount of of forgiveness. He multiplies forgiveness to us. The the well of God's forgiveness is never going to run dry on you. Never going to run dry. And so when we pray, Father, forgive us our sins. we're saying, Father, forgive us. We're not praying to a God who's going to sparingly forgive. God forgives abundantly. He multiplies forgiveness. So let that be confidence to you to come to God knowing that he knows how much you owe. And he knows how much you do not deserve forgiveness. And yet he comes to you and says, O wicked, O unrighteous one, return to me and I will abundantly forgive. Pardon you. I will multiply forgiveness to you. So God forgives abundantly, but he doesn't just give, uh, forgive abundantly. God forgives completely. God forgives completely. Look at Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, beginning in verse 1 and 2. This is a, this is a really great passage uh, here for the people of Israel and for us. It says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Cry to her. That her warfare is ended. That her iniquity is pardoned, is forgiven. That she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. So we see here, when God forgives, he doesn't halfway forgive. You're not, you're not going to find that God's going to forgive you, but some of your debt is still due. Right? So God's going to forgive you, but really just this much because you've been really bad and so you really don't deserve complete forgiveness. So He's only going to forgive you halfway. God forgives fully and completely. Here, Isaiah says that this should bring comfort to God's people because they've been fully, they've been completely forgiven. So comfort, comfort Israel with these words. Comfort them that God has forgiven their iniquity and done so fully. They owe nothing. Nothing more is owed. Why? Because God has forgiven them, and when he forgives, he forgives completely. And look at the results of this. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Isaiah chapter 1. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Now you know, you know this verse. Now you're going, oh, I know what this is going to say. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. So God's saying here, our forgiveness... So when God forgives us, He forgives us completely. And the result of that is our forgiveness is so complete that our stains are removed fully and completely. Now, if you're anybody who has children, you know how amazing it is to be able to fully remove any stains from anything. Uh, I've been working on a little ducky onesie, uh, for a couple weeks, it feels like, and there's just a couple stains that won't go away. It's to the point now that I don't even know if the stains are there, uh, or if I'm just like imagining that I need like a third set of eyes. Are there stains? Just tell me, or uh, am I psychologically traumatized by this onesie? Uh, but with God, when He forgives us, though our sins have stained us like scarlet, aren't we? we are stained inside and out by our sins. We are so completely forgiven by God that He doesn't even just say, I'm going to turn you from scarlet to pink. He doesn't even say, I'm going to turn you from scarlet to like an, an off shade of white. He says, when, when you're sins are your forgiveness is so complete that your stains though they were like scarlet will come out and come out so fully that you will be white as snow even if it is red like crimson in the end they'll be as white as wool so that's the complete nature of our forgiveness. The end result is we are completely cleaned. And, and notice we go from deeply stained to fully forgiven. What should be a red stain on us and a red stain for all eternity is gone. Is gone. Why? Because when God forgives, He forgives completely. So we know what forgiveness is, we know what it does, and as God is doing it, He's forgiving us abundantly and He's forgiving us completely. So when we pray, Father, forgive us our debts, understand when God forgives you, He forgives all of you, all the way through. When He forgives you of your sin, He cleanses you all the way through. There's, no, there's not a dot left. There's not a there's not a little tiny bit of a stain left in a in a part of the fabric that maybe no one's going to notice and it's not a big deal and so no when God forgives you he makes you completely white totally clean it is a complete forgiveness we are forgiven completely so when God forgives he forgives abundantly he forgives completely he also forgives freely Okay, God forgives freely. Look at Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 17. Nehemiah 9, 17. Says, but you are a God ready to forgive. Gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and did not forsake them. So God does not forgive. We see God does not forgive begrudgingly to us. When we go to God, and again, this is—that's what I was saying earlier. It's not that God's up there in the sky having to do this act of forgiveness because He's kind of made it where He has to do it. God here, it says, gives. He is—he gives freely. He is ready to forgive. You could translate that—you know—you are a God ready to forgive. You could actually kind of translate it literally. You are a forgiving God. It's just who you are. You are a—you are a forgiving God. That's just what, that's what you, it's so a part, uh, and I actually maybe prefer that translation, but that's, that's, in other words, no one is forcing God to forgive. It is a part of his character. He forgives freely because forgiving is part of who he is. When you and I come to God for forgiveness, we're not extracting it from an unwilling judge who really wishes he didn't have to forgive us, but there's some sort of rule that makes it so he's got to. That's not who we're coming to. God is a forgiving God, the forgiving God, and He is ready to forgive. And remember, this idea of forgiveness being a part of the very character of God is what God told us about himself in Exodus chapter 34. Remember Exodus uh, chapter 34, this is your theology chapter. If you're working out your systematic theology of God, you better have these attributes of God listed there because these are the ones he tells you uh, about himself. But look at what is one of the things he says about himself. One of the traits is what? That he is a God who forgives. So Exodus 34, 6 through 7. Uh, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Does that sound like Nehemiah nine seventeen? Yeah, it does. It's the exact same words. Keeping steadfast love for a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, the children's children to the third and fourth generation. What did it say right there in the middle, at the partway through verse 7? Forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. God said, this is who I am. This is, this is when, I, when God is describing himself to his people and wanting them to know, who is your God? If you were going to describe him. And they start, and they're the Israelites, so they're probably like, well, maybe he, and he's like, stop. Let me tell you who I am before you start to say anything, because you're probably going to get it wrong. Uh, and you'll be like, maybe he's a calf. no. No, he's not a calf. He's not a golden calf. This is how he describes himself. And what does he say? What is one of the things he says? I am the God, the Lord, the Lord, who is all these things. But what is one of the things he says about himself? Who forgives iniquity and transgression and sin. That's who he is. And that's who he wants us to know that he is. He doesn't hide that from us, right? If he were just a judge who didn't want us to know that he has to forgive, he would hide the fact that he has to forgive. He'd be like, I'm all these things, and I'm terrible, and I'm, ah, you should be afraid, and which sounds very familiar to a certain Middle Eastern religion. Uh, and you should just fear me, and all this stuff. Instead, God, when he reveals himself, reveals to his people, I forgive. I am a God who forgives. So when we're understanding who God is and we want to understand how is He forgiving, He does so freely because that's who He is. It's part of His character. And the people of God even recognize this. When the people are remembering who God is, this trait, this aspect that God, you forgive, is one of the things that the people remind God of. So if you you turn back to Nehemiah, but go to Nehemiah 14... Sorry, not Nehemiah. I was like, that's not right. Numbers, Numbers 14. If you go to Numbers 14, this is right after the spies come back. Okay, this is right after the spies come back. They've been, uh, you know, re- they just reported, hey, the promised land is awesome. It's great. But there's one problem. The people are just as big as the grapes, right? Basically. Uh, and so, yeah, we, we're not going to be able, and so th- we're not going to be able to go in there. And then what happens? The people start to grumble. You know, why'd you take us here? Why'd you do They grumble against Moses. They grumble against Aaron. They, w- they wish they were still in Egypt, which just reminds you of how short our, you know, people say, people today have a really short attention span. I'm like, the Israelites got out of Egypt and like immediately forgot. Uh, so don't just blame it on TikTok. Uh, so anyway, so they're, they're, they are they're come out of, of Egypt. They're ready to go back. They're grumbling. And the people had grumbled so much that God threatens to wipe them out and even told Moses, "Hey." I'll make you a new people. Like, we'll go back to Genesis 12. We'll redo it. Abraham's people had their chance. We'll do Moses' people. Uh, And what 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 does Moses point back to? He points back to who God is. So look at Numbers 14, 17 through 18. And now, please let the power of the Lord be great as you have promised, saying, the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children uh, to uh, to the third and fourth generation. So so Moses is reminding God of Exodus 34, saying, look, this is is who you are. This is part of your character. This This is what you do. And so who is God? God is the forgiving God. He does not forgive because he has to, He doesn't forgive out of compulsion. When you go to God and ask for forgiveness, you're not having to rip it out of his, you know, clutching, you know, fist. Like he's some sort of uh, uh, Scrooge up there who doesn't want to have to to give it to you. God forgives freely. And so when you say, Father, forgive us, he, he doesn't, this forgiveness is something that he wants to do. He's not doing it because he has to. God forgives because he wants to. He freely forgives. In fact, not only does he forgive freely, he forgives happily. Happily. So again, it could be the idea that God forgives freely. It's just part of what he has to do, but he's ambivalent to it. You ask for forgiveness, I will give it. It'll be free. I'm not going to be snatching, wrenching. It's not going to happen. I'll give it freely. It happens. In fact, God doesn't just do that. He forgives happily. He likes forgiving. Look at, look at Micah chapter 7. And this is, that, remember, this is that passage in Micah where, you know, God is, is killing our sin and then throws its dead body in the sea. I, I love Micah 7 so much. But look at what it says about how God feels in forgiving his people. Beginning verse 18. Who is God like you? Forgiving iniquity, pardoning sin, pardoning iniquity, and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance, he does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. He will cast all your sins in the depths of the sea. You will show faithfulness to Jacob, steadfast love to Abraham, as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. So why why does God pardon iniquity? Why does he forgive iniquity? Why Why does he not stay angry? Here Micah says, because he delights in his steadfast love. He delights in in being constantly and unchangeably faithful to His people. He loves it, and so He happily forgives His children. When Moses asked God to forgive the children of Israel, God didn't say, after that passage in Numbers 14, God didn't say, okay, but I really don't want to. God loves His own steadfast love. He delights in it. He loved that Moses remembered Exodus 34. And God didn't go, "Oh, you're right. I guess I'll stead- I' guess I'll do steadfast love. OK, I guess I'll forgive. He loves it. Moses knows who He is. He, ha- he delights in his steadfast love. Moses didn't have to pull steadfast love from him. If you pull steadfast love from somebody, that ain't steadfast love. God delights in forgiving. He delights in who he is and what he does for his children. So when you pray, Father, forgive us. Know that when God forgives you, He hasn't done it begrudgingly. He's not, again, some guy in the sky forced to do this. He forgives you with joy. He delights in forgiving you. So when God forgives, He does so abundantly, He does so completely, He does so freely, and He does so happily. But we've got to be careful. We've especially got to be careful in our world. Because this doesn't mean that forgiveness has absolutely no guidelines to it. No direction in how God is... Forg- God, we don't want to see God as this you know, ambivalent dictator in the sky. But we also don't want to see God as some sort of hippie up there either. Uh, just sort of throwing flowers out and they're all landing in everybody's, you know, rifle barrels. And in the end, we're all, you know, dancing with, with flowers in our hair. In, in understanding how God forgives, we do have to understand there are some limiting aspects to that forgiveness as well. One really chief one uh, and one that we've got to remember uh, as well. So God forgives. So God forgives. He forgives abundantly, completely. He forgives freely. He forgives happily. But also God forgives only through Christ. Okay? This is going to be very important and something our world misses, right? They know that God forgives. And so again, they think that God is up there with a giant pail of forgiveness sort of chunking it out and it's just going to, then it will cover the earth like waters cover the sea. The glory of the Lord will cover the earth as waters cover the sea, but it's going to happen as forgiveness comes through the name of Jesus Christ. We see this. all, All this forgiveness that we read about, all, all this the, 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 that is such a part of who God is, it is tied to a specific source. When God forgives, He forgives all of these ways. He, forg- he forgives abundantly, completely, freely, happily. That's all true, but the only route, the only means to the source of that forgiveness, to the headwaters of that forgiveness, is through Jesus Christ. Now, why can I say this? Well, because the Bible tells us this. Otherwise, I shouldn't say that. Acts chapter 10. Look at where that we see. Acts chapter 10. Down in verse 42. And Jesus commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Forgiveness here, we find out, is Jesus had told them that forgiveness... comes from from God fully, it comes from God freely, but it also comes from God only through Christ. This is one of those things when people are like, you sound very judgy, that doesn't sound like Jesus. I go, you haven't read what Jesus said in Acts 10, that he told his apostles, he has come to judge living and the dead, and he told his apostles, you need to tell everyone that forgiveness only comes through me. That's what Jesus said. He says that forgiveness only comes through. It's only through belief. And, and notice this is an important part. So we don't get into some uh so, some weird sort of theism here. Uh, it comes not just through Christ. Sort of, you know, it's through Christ. So everybody, gets, it's through believing in Christ. It comes through His name. It's in believing in him. So, so it, it's only in believing in Christ that we receive that abundant, complete, free, and, and happy forgiveness. It's only through him. So when God forgives us, when God forgives us, he, he doesn't hold back. He doesn't hold back in that forgiveness. But the only way to get to that forgiveness, the only way to, to tap the, the source of that forgiveness is through believing in Christ. God forgives abundantly, completely, freely, happily to all of those who believe in Christ. Which means for those who do not believe in Christ, not only is forgiveness not abundant, not complete, not free, and not happily given, forgiveness isn't there at all. It's not even that you get forgiveness, but it's not abundant. You get forgiveness, but it's not complete. You get forgiveness, but it's not really free. You get forgiveness, but he's not happy he has to do it. You get no forgiveness unless you find the forgiveness that comes only through Christ. And the and, 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 this isn't new. And Jesus told them this isn't new. This is, Jesus told them this has been the truth from the beginning. That the prophets from Abel onward have always said that the forgiveness of sin comes only through believing in the Christ. This isn't something that happened with a new dispensation, a new way of doing it. I've got this new thing that's coming in Jesus. Now forgiveness comes through a person I'm going to call a Messiah. No, this is the way it's always been. The prophets have always told us. Forgiveness comes only through believing in Christ. Only through him and His name. So when God forgives, He doesn't hold back. But the only way to get that full and free forgiveness is through Christ Jesus. So when we pray, Father, forgive us. Remember that that forgiveness from God, that, that abundant, complete, free, unhappy forgiveness only comes from God and it only comes in Christ. That's the way it's always been, and that's the way it always will be. Forgiveness is great, given freely by God, given abundantly, but coming only through Jesus Christ. But it's also important, this, this final aspect is also important when it comes to understanding forgiveness. So when God, when God takes away I got time. It's hot. We're already hot. We're not going to get more hot. Uh, When God takes away the debt we owe in Christ, he takes it away abundantly. He takes it all completely, and he does it freely, does it happily. But an important thing for us to understand, and I I didn't want to make a whole sermon about this, so I just threw it here on the end, but it's going to be important for us now. It's going to be important for us when we get into forgiving others. That even though God forgives us in all those ways, we are abundantly, he multiplies forgiveness, we're completely forgiven. He does it freely. He does it happily. That does not mean there are no consequences. That does not mean that when you are forgiven, like there are no consequences anymore. And this is going to be important because if the temptation for the world is just to assume everybody's forgiven, then the temptation for the Christian is... And uh, I mean, I've seen this everywhere from the abortion mill to just everyday life to say, oh, I asked God for forgiveness. Now, anything bad that could have happened from what I did isn't going to happen anymore. And that's just not what God says. You can sin and be forgiven, but there still be grievous consequences for your sin, even after forgiveness. Of course, not eternal damnation, but still earthly consequences. Look at that. We see this in a couple of places. For example, Psalm 99, verse 8. O Lord our God, you answered them. You were a forgiving God to them, but an avenger of their wrongdoings. So here we see the psalmist is—he's praising God's actions in, in the life of Israel. If you want to go back and read Psalm 99, he's praising all that God has done in, in Israel's life, all the things that He's been, and he's, he says, "God, you who who though Israel sinned, God, you forgave them." But that forgiveness didn't mean that their sin was without consequence. In fact, God said he he was still an avenger of their wrong. So forgiven of what they had done, but still an avenger of their wrong. And let's go back. Let's go back to Numbers 14 for a great example of this. Numbers 14, where Moses again reminded God that, hey, isn't forgiveness something that, that, that you do? It's who you are. Look at how God does respond in verse verse 20 through verse 23. Numbers 14. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned. I have forgiven. According to your word. So I've done it. Forgiveness has happened, right? It has happened. I've done it. But truly as I live, and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and yet have put me to the test these ten times, and have not obeyed my voice, none of them shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers. And none of those who despise me shall see it. So God pardons, again, remember, pardon, forgive, same word. God forgave, but none of the spies who came back and said no. None of those people who saw the signs, saw the wonders. God pardoned, He forgave, but yet... They are not going to be able to enter the promised land. There's a consequence still for their sin. God forgave. He forgave them abundantly. He forgave them completely. He forgave them freely, happily. But there were still consequences. I mean, this would even be true for Moses. Like, they're grumbling it's Moses and Aaron, right? This This same thing's even going to be true for Moses and Aaron. If you go down to Numbers 20. Numbers 20, verse 12. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. Again, Moses and Aaron have been forgiven of the Lord. They were forgiven for the golden calf. They were forgiven for the sins of Meribah. Forgiven for those things when they didn't treat God as holy, but they're still bearing the consequences for their sin and in fact we have to know that this makes sense we have to know this is reasonable for god to do it would be it would be it would be it would be prideful of us to say yeah i know you've forgiven me my eternal debt but i kind of wish that nothing else would happen in fact the bible says we know we know that any consequences that come from our sin are less than we deserve and so when consequences do come, we understand that any of those consequences are less than what could have uh could have happened to us. So for example, Micah chapter 7. Let's go back to that passage that 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 where God takes our sin, forgives us, throws the, the dead body of our sin in the in the river. That doesn't mean there aren't consequences for what we do. So look at what happens here, uh When we see our consequences, we're going to see our consequences not as a failure of God's faithfulness. We're going to see our consequences in the light of God's faithfulness. So Micah 6, or sorry, Micah 7, 8, and 9. Rejoice not over me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him until he pleads my cause and executes judgment for me, he will bring me out to the light. I shall look upon his vindication. So he says, look, I'm being punished for what I did. This punishment is come. I mean, the, the, Israel is being thrown into exile. Judah thrown into exile. We're sitting here. It looks bad. We're sitting in darkness. He says, but light's going to come. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, the Lord will bring me to the light. You think you're rejoicing over me now? When I fall, the Lord's going to pick me up. I know that. I know he'll be faithful to me. What I'm going through right now is just the consequences of what I did. So as as they're proclaiming this, I will bear the indignation of the Lord, it says in verse 9. I know that's what's happening. But know that he will be faithful to me and he will be the one to bring me to the light. So here we understand, hey, I understand that I sinned. I understand the Lord is still faithful to me. I know, and this is important for us as we're going through the consequences of our sin, to not think that God has failed us. Or that God, oh, He must not have forgiven me because if He forgave me, there'd be no consequences. You're creating a promise that God did not make. So God will forgive you and do so abundantly, freely, uh, uh, completely happily. He's going to do all that and there's still be consequences because of his faithfulness. Because you know the discipline of the Lord is going to teach you, as says says. This discipline of the Lord is going to be good for you and in fact you will know the darkness that you're in, the consequence of your sin here is not the end that God will bring you to the light. Even though you're going through a consequence of the sin that you have done. The, probably the the saddest and most profound example of this, and, and should be a, the most cautionary tale of how our sin can lead to grievous consequences, even when that sin is forgiven, is the story of David. Right, David, he sins with Bathsheba. Bathsheba gets pregnant. So David, wise person that he is, compounds his guilt. He compounds his guilt by uh, having her husband... One of of his own mighty men, Uriah the Hittite, has him murdered. Uh, David is famously confronted by the prophet Nathan for what he has done. David, you know, you are the man. David repents. And listen to what happens after David repents. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. I've sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin. Taken away, bear it away, put away. You shall not die. Nevertheless, because by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child who is born to you shall die. So David repents. I've sinned. He is forgiven. His sin is put away. Yet even after the forgiveness, what does Nathan say? You are forgiven, but your child is going to die. And the child, what happens the child becomes sick. And David prays. David seeks God. He fasts. He lays on the ground all night long. But on the the seventh day, the day before the child could be circumcised poignantly, The child dies. But even in that tragic event, David doesn't blame God, does he? Look at what happens. He's not angry that the consequences for his sin came. He knows the consequences were deserved. In fact, what happens right after David finds out that the baby has died, look at at verses 19 and 20. But when David saw that his servants were whispering together, because no one ever wants to be the one to tell the king that their child died, David understood that the child was dead. And David said to his servants, Is the child dead? They said, He is dead. Then David arose from the earth, remember that he'd been laying on, washed, anointed himself, changed his clothes, and he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. So again, Here we see the nature of forgiveness. David is forgiven, but he still has has to deal with the consequences of his sinful choices. And those consequences can be grievous, can be deadly, not just in an eternal sense like we've been talking about, but in a worldly sense as well. So people people ask me, you know, the things that, you know, uh, are happening in their lives, and they'll say, could this be, is this the result of, you know, this sinful things that I did? This is this a consequence of my sin? And I, I have to tell them it could be. It doesn't mean you haven't been forgiven. It doesn't mean God hasn't completely, uh, abundantly, completely, freely, and happily forgiven you. But yeah, because sin, st- even after we're forgiven, sin can still have big and long lasting consequences. And this is an important reminder to us about the nature of forgiveness because sometimes we think, if I ask for forgiveness, God will forgive me and that will be the end of any problem from my sin. So we do something sinful, we do something horrible, we're like, Ugh! we see all the places that it could lead and so we try to go, forgive me. And we hope that that's going to sort of cut off any of this other stuff that could happen and there's no promise of that. The forgiveness is going to come your eternal soul will not perish the lord is not going to abandon you you'll be forgiven your sin but consequences can still come from it because you can be forgiven of your sin and god still bring dire consequences in your life i say all that i say all that for this reason it can be an easy temptation for us as christians to say oh i can just ask for forgiveness of course you can but that doesn't mean that your sins won't bring consequences in your life that you might deal with till the day you die. So d- don't tread the pathway of sin lightly because you've seen how great God's forgiveness is. I want to make sure we understand that we don't see the abundant nature of God's forgiveness and so then see our sin as not a big deal which can be, it, because his forgiveness is so large, it can be an easy temptation for us to think, well, all will just ask for that forgiveness. Understand that forgiveness can come and will come, but that doesn't mean consequences, earthly consequences won't also happen. That won't, you know, change your life unalterably, make it totally different than it could have been. There's never a moment in David's life after this moment that his child was not dead. Never a moment that he didn't have to look at his other children and count them and remember the one that had perished. Never a moment in his life. One day he would go to see him and that would be true, but for the rest of his life, he had to deal with the consequence of his sin. That consequence of that sin was not just the day that his child died. The consequence of his sin stuck with him for the rest of his life. So if God takes away our debt. We've got to be careful because that can still sometimes leave us with very grievous consequences. Let's pray. Just take a, take a moment to think about what we've been talking about the last several weeks. I mean, we've looked at all that it means for God to forgive us. We've seen how great our debt is. We've seen that it's this unbearable, inescapable debt. We've seen that in forgiveness, God lifts away, He, he takes away that debt. You know, in the process, our, our, our debt is paid, our sin is completely destroyed. Um, we, we find salvation, we find life, we find knowledge of the Lord, we find uh, the fear of the Lord, we find holiness. And now we add to that, that God, when he does forgiveness, he does so completely, uh, he does so abundantly, completely, does so freely, he does so happily. And he does all those things only through Christ. But that forgiveness doesn't mean there's not going to be consequences, so don't, so don't treat your sin lightly. I mean, if you want a crash course on what forgiveness is, there it is. If you want a crash course on what the Bible says forgiveness is, there it is. Now, we'll look next week at our responsibility in forgiving and having to mirror God's forgiveness. So if you've looked and you said, wow, God's forgiveness is amazing, you better realize that's the bar you're about to have next week. So you better already start setting your heart because this is going to be a temptation. This is why the Lord talks about forgiveness right after he finishes the Lord's Prayer. And right after he finishes the Lord's prayer, you've got, you've got uh, you know, the disciples asking about forgiveness and the Lord teaching about forgiveness and forgiving others. So just take a moment right now and say, Lord, teach me about your forgiveness. Ask him to write the things that we've been learning on your heart, because this is a lot for us to learn. It's a lot in the Bible, There are a lot of verses. But we know that God promises he plants every seed. So ask that he would water them. Ask that he would grow them. That you would begin to grasp what forgiveness is. So that you might understand him better. And so that you might understand your own need to forgive better. How has God grown your understanding of forgiveness? One thing we can do right now is just thank the Lord for that. If you understand forgiveness more now than you did a month ago or two months ago, take a moment and thank God for that. Thank God that you understand his forgiveness more because that comes only from him. So thank him for it. Praise him for teaching you. Thank him. You're God. I mean, you didn't just reason this. We didn't just put these verses on the screen and you got it. The Lord taught you these things. Your father is teaching you about the forgiveness that he has worked in your life and in your eternity. That's a great grace from God. And when, we, when we're looking at forgiveness, our, our response is really simple. We, I mean, worship. We should be worshiping the Lord because of what we've seen. Worship God for this forgiveness. Never forget the weightiness of your sin. Never forget the unbearable nature of your sin rejoice in that, the multiple layers of blessing that come in that forgiveness. So rejoice right now. God, I can't believe that in forgiveness I get all these, I get my debt paid, I get my sin destroyed. I grow in a knowledge of you. I grow in a fear of you. I find salvation and life. I'm holified. All of those things, Father, when you forgive me, this added blessing to me, the sinner, but also your child, Marvel, marvel at your father's faithfulness. Marvel at his forgiveness and seek that you might be able to mimic it. Ask God right now, God, I am seeing how amazing your forgiveness is. And I know what's coming. I know that I have to look like you. And God, you have just shown your forgiveness to be great and abundant. And I am small and fickle. So pray now for strength. And then run to Christ. We saw that all of this comes only through Christ. Only through belief in him. Only through his name. So cherish Christ. Cherish your Savior. Because if it weren't for him, all of this forgiveness that we talked about would not be yours. Because it is only yours through Jesus Christ. So run to him for forgiveness. Find forgiveness in him. Find a father who forgives abundantly, completely, freely, and happily in Christ Jesus. Father... We come to you today. We, your people, we've gathered here to worship you on your day, on this Lord's day. We have, out of sheer delight of our souls, gathered together to praise you, to lift up your name, to say every day of this week has been a blessing from you. Every day to come has been a blessing from you. We are image bearers of you, and we lift up your name. We glorify you. And so, Father, part of that today has been hearing from your word, you telling us what type of image bearers we must be. And we've learned about who you are. As you forgive, we've learned about the forgiveness that you give us. So, Father, may we cherish these truths. May we think about who you are and how you forgive and may we rejoice in the way that you forgive us may this understanding of forgiveness give us a better picture of who you are may we not see you as some just distant God but may we see you as a a father who is happily forgiving us even more so than we happily forgive our own children when they come to us and say they're sorry when they come to us and apologize and ask forgiveness we rejoice how much more if we who are wicked do such a thing how much more you who rejoice over your people and freely and happily forgive them so father may we remember that may there be nothing nothing that hinders from us coming to you and confessing our sin and seeking forgiveness nothing that keeps us from praying father forgive us our sins may remember that all of this comes through your son and we thank you for christ we thank you for our king and we are here in his name gathered because of what he has done So, Father, may our worship today have been pleasing to you, may it have been acceptable in your sight, because we give it all in the name of Christ, who is the source of our forgiveness. And so, Father, we thank you, we praise you, we worship you. May you be glorified today and every day of our lives. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.